So welcome to the Soul on Fire podcast, where I interview cool people um, doing cool things in the fields of art, health, or spirituality. Today I'm joined with Her Grace uh, Shyama Rani, also known as Jadu Rani. Um, she has been painting incredible, majestical paintings of Krishna for many decades. So welcome to the show, Prabhu. Thank you so much. Would you like to start by sharing how, how did you meet Srila Prabhupada and, and start practicing Krishna consciousness? Okay. Um, I was a 19-year-old girl um, going to City College, majoring and going to major in art and history. And as you might be uh, foreseeing or projecting, that's exactly what Krishna consciousness was for me. It's the history as it is, not as we learn in mundane schools. History of the universe, history of beyond the universe, and uh, painting that under the guidance of a resident who was beyond the universe. So anyway, to backtrack. So I was doing that, and I was also, uh, in the time of the 60s, of what, everything that went along with that, left-wing politics and um, of protesting the war against in Vietnam and drugs and all those hippie kind of things of the 60s. And then one day I was walking through the park and I had just uh, recently, just before that day, I had asked my mother, Mom, if I didn't come from your womb, would I still exist? Because I started inquiring in my mind, like, what is everything all about? What's the aim? Where is everybody going to? Where is everybody coming from? So one day out of the blue, I don't know how the question came. If I didn't come from your womb, would I still exist? And she didn't know, of course. And then uh, just the next weekend, it was a Sunday, and I was uh, passing through Tompkins Square Park in New York City, Lower East Side, on my way to a friend's house. And there was Srila Prabhupada, a very beautiful, uh, in his early 70s, very saintly looking with saffron robes, shaven headed, playing a little bongo drum, sitting on a rug, chanting Hare Krishna and uh, his 10 or so disciples, all young men, all looking as hippie-ish as I was, uh, dancing around him in a circle on this Indian rug. And my first impression was, this looks like a genie flying in on a magic carpet. And even today, I still think of him like that. Wow. He's still that transcendental magic person who has all mystic powers, past, present, and future, who can uh, make the future happen just by saying mm. it's going to happen. Mm. So I uh, 
saw him in the park, and then after he and his disciples left, um, somebody stranger walked up to me and uh, asked if I'd like to go to the temple. I didn't know what the temple was, but I agreed. And then I we met Prabhupada, and uh, the first thing he said to me that I can remember is, we are eternal, and everything around us is temporary. He invited me to come to his classes. And so in New York, you know, everything is by subway. And so his temple was an hour and a half away from my home. So I used to track by his, by his words of, oh, you live near here? And you can come to, the, to my classes. You can come to the kirtans. So um, when he asked, do you live near here? I was on LSD on that day, and I thought I was the all-pervading God. So I said, yes, I live very near. He said, good, then you can come to the programs. So then I was stuck because he had said that. And so I, I traveled for an hour and a half on five subways <laughs> to go to his classes. And they were classes on Bhagavad Gita and Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, the pastimes of Krishna in the form of his devotee, and Bhagavad Gita, Krishna speaking to his devotee Arjuna, uh, teaching on not this body, we're not this body, we're eternal souls, we're all part and parcel of Krishna. So then I started to come regularly. And then he asked one devotee, what do I do? And he came to me and asked, I said, well, I, I imagine myself to be an artist. I was actually a terrible artist. So he went up and told Prabhupada and then Prabhupada started giving me uh, Indian prints of Krishna and Radha and Vishnu and uh, five in one absolute truth, Panchatattva uh, to paint and decorate his temple walls. So I started doing that. He was very encouraging. They soon invited me to paint in his quarters. So I got a lot of association with that magic person. And uh, my new diet became prasadam or food that's been prepared according to the ancient Vedic scriptures and offered to Krishna in a ceremony according to the ancient Vedic scriptures and chanting regularly in the morning and evening Hare Krishna and the um, congregational chanting, chanting Japa. I was initiated a month later and so it went. Wow. The genie on the carpet. <laughs> yeah, so first I was painting for his temples and then when he started making books, then uh, he engaged me in painting for his books. Hmm. Were there any paintings that you did? Like, I think I, I read in a book called Shiksham Rita, some letters that he wrote to you. And I, I recall one being about Narad Muni, looking very muscular. Yeah, that's true. You want to hear about that? Yeah, that'd be... If you so, like. Um, uh, well, Prabhupada said, uh, come up to my quarters. I want to give you an idea of 
a new painting to do. So I went there and the idea was that he took a picture out of an old Hindi book, book in Hindi, and gave me the picture of Narada Muni. Very, look about magical. He, he was carrying a veena. He had this wavy brown hair up to his shoulders. He was wearing these saffron robes and the forest that he was in was enchanting. Robert asked me to copy that, which I did, uh, like 18 by 24 or so. And then the next year, I helped open the Boston Temple and uh, he wanted that painting for each temple that he was starting. Uh, the Boston Temple was his temple. I was just one of the early members. And then I thought, well, I didn't really like that picture of Narada Muni that I did. Uh, I want to make it such that uh, it'll be famous like the Mona Lisa. Because when I was living in New York, I saw you know, they had the Mona Lisa on exhibit and people would line up for blocks to get a one minute uh, view of the Mona Lisa, then they'd have to scurry along. So the next person could get a view. So I thought, well, I want uh, Krishna paintings to be famous like that. So I thought that just by copying their style, I would become famous for some, some reason or other. So I made the next Narada Muni painting with gaunt cheeks like Jesus and a Jesus kind of dhoti instead of a brahmachari dhoti and um, put him in a redwood forest instead of that magical transcendental Indian forest. And uh, then I sent it to the San Francisco temple. That was his third or fourth temple. No, second temple, actually. And um, the devotees wrote me how much in ecstasy they were and how their kirtans were much more enlivened. They were jumping up to the ceiling. And then when Prabhupada came, he wrote me a letter that, I like the first painting you did, but this one looks like Milk Drinker's conception of beauty. And the first one you did was, I'm, I'm sorry, this one looks like a meat eater's conception of beauty. Oh. And the first one you did was a milk drinker's conception of beauty, oh. which is full skin and sweet red lips. And this one with muscles and gaunt cheeks is the meat eater's conception of beauty. So I was so unhappy that I had displeased my spiritual master because there's a, a verse in, the, in our uh, one of our kirtans that if you please the spiritual master then Krishna himself is pleased and if he's displeased then your whereabouts are unknown your spiritual whereabouts are unknown mm. so I wrote back a letter of three, three lines apologizing then he wrote me another letter and he said this is the first time I've received a letter from you of only three lines mm. the thing is and then he told the story of a Brahmin who was uh, taking a journey through the forest from one village to another, and he was very hungry. So he stopped at someone's house, and the ha person happened to be a non-Hindu, and a Brahmin could only 
um, eat at the house of a Hindu because they would have followed all the um, rules and regulations for cooking. But he was so hungry, he took at the house of a Muslim and then he was still hungry. So he lamented when he continued on his journey that I've lost my caste and still I'm hungry. I've lost out both ways. So Prabhupada said, if you try to copy the old masters, just copy their style to become famous, you probably won't become famous. In the meantime, you'll lose out on your Krishna consciousness. Mm. That was that letter. He said, we don't wow. want to please the senses of the public. They are rascals. We want to please the senses of our acharyas, our previous spiritual masters. Wow. That's powerful. Um, it makes me reflect on my own art career and how so many paintings that I've done have been a, an attempt to, like you say, please the senses of the, the public or the people in general. And yeah, you kind of lose out in both ways because you're, because I'm, I'm selling out materially and spiritually. <laughs> yeah. So you've just written a book called The Art of Spiritual Life. Would you like to share about that? How did, how was that conceived? Sure. Well, it was uh, 1987 when I was very sick. I joined in 66, now it's 87. I was in uh, Prabhupada's Florida temple, Miami, and I was very, very sick. So one devotee suggested that I probably wouldn't have too much longer to live. So why don't I write my memoirs? Because I had so many personal experiences with Prabhupada. So I started doing that. I didn't know how to type. I had no computer. So you know how you cut and paste in a computer? So I wrote by hand, wrote by handwriting on paper and then cut and pasted that in different places. Wow. And then I started dictating, dictating in a, a tape recorder. And then other ladies started helping me and, um, with typing and gradually it developed and developed. This is what it looks like on the cover. That's me when I was about 25. And then it has a lot of really cool things like uh, many paintings that I did for Prabhupada over the years for his Bhaktivedanta Book Trust paintings. And inside, like you mentioned, you mentioned one of his letters. So I have hundreds of letters, uh, not hundreds, uh, about 90 letters from Prabhupada in the book. Wow. And lots of tons of photographs of his uh, visits and photographs. Like this is me in the middle and my two god brothers. Um, Prabhupada put us on an assembly line for a while when he was mm. wanted to get so many books out very quickly. What was so, that like? Um, well, it was a little hair raising because Prabhupada wanted that every two days a new painting would come out. And so Bharagraj, who's on the top there, he, um, he started the painting, then I would do the middle, and then Merlidar, one at the bottom, would put the um, 
final details on. Mm. But uh, it was very difficult for me to read Bard Raj's mind mm. to know what strokes would have continued with. Right. So I, uh, uh, I mostly I just uh, flattened out his work, and then Merlydor came along and and put in the details. So we also have some, but it happened. Mm. We were able to keep up the schedule and the first several books of Srila Prabhupada's Krishna book, first canto, thank you, um, second canto, Bhagavad Gita, many of the paintings in there were done on that assembly line. And the book also has many pictures of Srila Prabhupada's visits to uh, Boston, York City, California. Many conversations that I had with him, many chastisements, uh, letters, instructions, corrections, so many things. And, and some samples of, go ahead. Samples of? Of the, uh, some of the other BBT artists, Bhaktivedanta Book Trust artists, like one sample of each one or two of each of the other devotees in the book. I didn't want to be too much of a megalomaniac. <laughs> your style has changed a lot, and I'm really fond of your earlier style, but your new style is also extremely majestical and um, transcendental. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how, like, the evolution of, of your style? Well, the evolution of Chakunda Prabhu is uh, that I didn't know how to paint at the beginning. And so Prabhupada gave me things to copy. And my copies were incredibly worse than the original. <laughs> like I just looked, I just happened to get a high resolution scan uh, for the art book that we're making. Chalur Dave wanted, that is Chalur Bhaktivedanta and Ryan Goswami Maharaj. Uh, requested me in 2006 or so to um, make an art book of all the paintings that I did for Prabhupada and for him and give a copy to the president of India. Um, so that's what, it's almost ready for printing now. It's in the last stages. Mm. Why did I say that? I don't remember. Right, so one of the paintings is going to be how my early paintings one of the little galleries. And so I just got a chance to look at the high-res scan and I can see that I would have like the head and shoulders of somebody who was behind, like there were rows of kirtan devotees singing and dancing, playing musical instruments. So the one in the back, the original from India, that was perfect, but with me, the head and the shoulders and top of the torso would be in one place and then the the dhoti and the legs would be in another place and then i'd have one of them playing this long horn yeah uh yeah. and part of the horn is just completely missing <laughs> and, the hands and uh but still Prabhupada accepted them all right from the beginning and hung them in the temple wall and the first painting i did was absurd it was a painting of Vishnu in the causal ocean and um, again it was just a copy and the original was stunning 
and my larger copy for the temple wall. The hands look like baseball gloves. The, his uh, club looked like an ice cream cone. The uh, causal ocean that he was uh, emerging from looked like um, psychedelic question marks. <laughs> but still, when uh, I presented it to Prabhupada, and you know, as usual, he's always like a magnet attracting iron filings, always surrounded by so many of his disciples. So when I brought that to him, he made an announcement. Now who could look at that and say that is not God? Mm. So he was extremely encouraging, like a parent and encouraging little, little kid. Oh, you're so wow. intelligent. Um, so then uh, I was painting on my own and then Prabhupada started his books and then he started the assembly line. So we were all three. The other two were much better artists than me, Bardraj and Malidar. We were all three working on the same painting. So our styles kind of got very similar and I improved in that way. And then um, gradually, uh, you know, and we used to comment on each other's work. Sometimes we would help each other with each other's painting, with touching it up, making a sketch for the other artist. And so I developed a lot in that way. And we used to have uh, meetings to, together uh, in 76 when the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust was very developed and the other artists were so good. Um, so we used to have idea meetings, what, which paintings we were gonna do for his any particular volume. And then we'd, um, we'd meet at every stage and critique each other's work. Like the group would walk up to each person's painting and say this, this, this. And then the person whose painting it was would take notes. So then, um, yeah, so the things developed a lot. And the paintings that I showed, um, the ones I showed were, I don't know if you could see it. Yeah. This is already in 1982. Prabhupada had left in 1977, but I kept painting for his books. These also in 1982, when you know our technique was already rather developed. Uh, these two were 1975. Mm. I don't think it developed that much once it got developed. Mm. But then um, when I met Srila Narayan Goswami Maharaj in uh, 1992, he, oh, uh, this is me and a Gursundar on a walk with Srila Prabhupada, 1968. And so when I met Srila Gurudev in 1992, he continued my uh, asking me to paint. And at that time, I didn't do so many paintings because we didn't have any, so many marathons. So each painting took longer and I got critiqued a lot more often by Srila Gurudev himself. Like, what are they thinking? How are they feeling? Wow. wow. We got really into it. So, uh, yeah, so then it developed still more. 
and also in 1982, 1980-81, um, I went to this art school because the BBT artists were always helping each other. Um, and then we split up a couple of years after Prabhupada's departure. And so I was on my own now. And uh, so I wanted the skills to be able to do a whole painting with confidence, not depend on the other artists. So I went to uh, Rocky Mountain School of Art and Design. And I learned a lot of more skills there as well. So that's the history of the development. Wow, thank you so much. Yeah. In the next five to seven-ish minutes, um, would it be okay if I just kind of um, shoot off some questions that have been burning in my mind and just kind of give short answers to them? Yeah, I kind of get carried away tonight. No, no, it's, it's all really nectar. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm wondering, okay, so how do you feel um, sudden impacts your art? Oh, that's a very, very interesting question. If I don't do it, I mess up. Mm. Oh, I have a marathon, I have a deadline, and I, I just end up wasting hours and having wow. to do the whole thing over again. Wow. So that's that. Powerful. Um, what's your advice to um, other artists in Krishna consciousness who may feel um, that their self-expression isn't so encouraged, maybe because their work isn't as important? Like for you, your art is, was 